Good afternoon. Today I have the lovely Carol Wire with me. Hi, Carol. Would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself? Hello. Uh, actually, I got asked this a long time ago. I had to stand up in front of a, a group, a really, really big crowd. I had to introduce myself and, and I stood up and I was so nervous. My legs were shaking and I stood up, stood up and I went, hello, everybody. My name is and I actually couldn't remember my name at all. <laughs> so it's quite good now because if I do forget, I just go, oh, yeah, Carol Wire. I'm OK. Right. So my name is <laughs> I'm Carol Wire. I, uh, I started um, life. I started life a long time ago, obviously, but um, I started my writing career writing comedies and um, wrote a few of those that took off, got me my name, got me onto BBC Breakfast Television with a book called Grumpy Old Menopause, which was a non-fiction humorous book um, about obviously going through the menopause. <laughs> uh, it won a prize as well, the People's Book Prize. That got me um, really noticed, I suppose, on the map, as it were, but I always had a desire to write crime novels because that was what I read and that was my passion. And I didn't think I was good enough to write a crime novel, but I was taken on by Bookature, who um, commissioned, first of all, Life Swap, which has got the um, mother of all twists, shall we say. It's a Marmite book. You will either love it or hate it. We'd be completely confused by it, but it, it has got this amazing twist at the end. And that was when I thought, yeah, I really need to, to write something that isn't predictable because rom-com tends to follow a certain format so I went into uh, well I, I wrote a thriller which I submitted with two synopsis for two more comedies to Bookature and they said oh we don't want any more comedies we would like crime books <laughs> so I started writing crime before that though I had a long past which was uh, well I did all sorts of things I was largely a linguist, which meant I um, did translating work and um, teaching. And I started off my career in Casablanca in Morocco, which always sounds terribly romantic. And I suppose it was, <laughs> in a way, uh, apart from the day, I used to drive around on one of these little bikes called a Solex machine. It's, it's a bit like a bicycle with um, a lawnmower engine on the front. That's really the best to describe it. So it wasn't a moped, it was kind of a bicycle with this engine. And I used to go from place to place because I used to teach within um, big companies. So I'd either teach them English or French, or I'd go in and do translation works for them. And I was out on my little Solex bike, butting around, butting, I said, <laughs> butting around the streets of Casablanca and came to some traffic lights. And if you've ever been to Morocco, traffic lights are just full of people on mopeds, donkeys, people, you name it, it's there, vans. And they all shoot off before the lights go to green. And they all shot off. And what happened was I decided the lights weren't going to change. And I just rested against a donkey. And the donkey hurtled <laughs> off. <laughs> and I fell off my bike. Got run over by about another 10 donkeys. So very romantic up to that point. So I, bent, I left Casablanca, not because I fell off my mobile, my motorbike. Um, I got headhunted and ended up working in the UK for a private school where I was... Um, I taught um, English as a foreign language largely at that point. And then I started my own language company. So I was going again into businesses and teaching languages and also teaching for this private school as well. So I kind of was a, an English teacher. I became a head of department, but I still run my own business as well. And then I gave it up to become a personal trainer. As you do, because <laughs> I'd had a lot of health problems, which will maybe get onto but my um my health hasn't been the greatest over the years and um I had a, a bad spell with my spine I'd had several operations on it and it started to, to get really bad the only way to sort it out was to take matters into my own hands so I, I took up quite a strict training program and at the end of it I thought you know, I really want to help people that are in a similar boat to me that maybe need helping with their health that maybe aren't young people but are middle-aged which is what I was at the time and so I did that for a while and then when my son flew the nest well we kind of pushed him out 
And when we got rid of him, I converted his bedroom into an office and I did what I'd always wanted to do. And we can talk about this at some point, maybe today, if we remember, and I don't go off at another tangent, uh, write a novel because it was on my it was on my bucket list. It's one of the top things on my bucket list before I turned 50. And that was how my whole writing career, if you like, began, although I had written before. And if you want to talk about that, we can. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, just, to, just to sidestep slightly, I live in Staffordshire, in rural Staffordshire, with Mr Grumpy, who is my beloved husband, but is incredibly grumpy. He actually loves being called Mr Grumpy. You will never see him, you will never see a photograph of him. I am banned from showing any. He also <laughs> doesn't appear on any videos, hence you will not see him here. <laughs> um, and we live on a place called Windy Hill because it is essentially very windy. And I've been there ooh, for quite a few years. I've been there for about 10 years and I've been in Staffordshire for over 30 now. So I suppose after all my meanderings, I, I have settled down to Staffordshire. And that of course is where nearly all my books are set. Poof, and breathe. <laughs> <laughs> it makes my job so much easier. <laughs> Just wind me up, set me off. <laughs> So did you always want to be a writer? No, I wanted to be a vet, but I failed science, um, all of them. <laughs> and I can't stand the sight of blood, so that really wasn't very good. <laughs> no, I, I didn't always want to be a, um, a writer. I didn't know what I wanted to be. I, I went to university not knowing. I came out of university not knowing and took up this opportunity to go and teach and, and sort of fell into teaching, which I loved. I, I absolutely loved teaching. Um, I mean, I was a bit of a, I, I didn't really have, I was a jack of all trades. I was, I was quite good at languages, but I didn't really excel at anything. Uh, and it was, um, I have always though had a love of reading and I have written, this is going to get us onto this bit, I'm sliding down my chair here. For those that are watching, <laughs> I told Donna that I was going to fall off this chair before the end of the interview and she's waiting for me to do this. And if things go the right way, I probably will. <laughs> <laughs> desperately hanging on here <laughs> um so I started writing um for real well I, I was in hospital with my health I was in hospital when I was a teenager and again when I was at university um I had a spinal operation that, that went wrong and I was in there for a great number of weeks and whilst I was there um I, I started penning letters to my friends and family just because in those days we didn't have the internet you know so we all had to write letters so I used to write them and they were usually sort of funny stories about what was going on in, in the hospital because the nurses would tell me these, these outrageous stories about how they'd push this you know person into the corridor overnight because he was snoring or somebody had come in with a copper tubing attached to his appendage and things like that and I would just make up these sort of stories embellish them a little and people loved the letters and said that I really you know would make a great writer and, and would I write some more so I always had that love of writing and it, and it did stem from a teacher in school as well who, who complimented one of my comedy essays one day um, and so I did sort of keep it up. When I went to Morocco, I wrote um, children's stories, but for my own amusement. And I wrote about fantastic characters like um, Humphrey, the, uh, Humphrey the Camel and the Dustbin Cats. <laughs> sort of stupid things like that. <laughs> um, I didn't do anything with them. They were for my own amusement. Writing was always a bit like reading. I did it for me. And then when I was in my 30s and living in France by then, not, not full-time, part-time, I decided to use my linguistic skills and write a series of children's books that would teach them French. So I wrote these, these super, oh, they, were, they were wonderful little books that built up into a whole series. So it was essentially an educational program for kids that were aged about five. And they would learn the colours and names and things and various stuff. And they were illustrated by a person who became my best friend in France. And she did these phenomenal, phenomenal illustrations of cats and dormice and things. Anyway, we did, we did take them to a publisher and there was a lot of interest. And um, we, were, we were almost at the point of signing a contract with a, a rather big named publisher. And she, she died. She died on Boxing Day, just like that. We didn't expect it. She was only 50 and that kind of turned my world upside down and I didn't go ahead with the books because the books had been hers and mine and I didn't want another illustrator on it. So the ones that we'd mocked up, I turned into little self-published books and I took them into schools myself and used them in a sort of language 
fun activity with kids and taught them French that way. And they came with um, a tape because in those days we had tapes, <laughs> not downloads uh, of uh, songs that accompanied the, you know, the series, but mercifully they're not sung by me because one thing I can't do is sing. <laughs> so my writing did, did start quite early, um, but I didn't do anything for the adult market until, as I said, I, I felt confident enough. I was, I was approaching 50, I, I loved reading, but I didn't think there was anything sort of amusing for women my age. I thought rom-coms were always geared to people that were younger. And, and then you went from either rom-coms to something like Ben Elton, who I really enjoyed, but there wasn't anything in between. And I read a, a book called um, The Wag's Diary, which was written by Alison Kirby. You might've read it. She has actually got a lot of books out now in different names. It was, it was hilarious. It, it, and I thought, you know, that sounds like my voice in my head, that, that's, that's how I would write if I was going to write. And I think that was the impetus. That and, um, uh, well, I actually wrote to her and so when I wrote the first book and she wrote me back a really encouraging email. So it was really, really nice. <laughs> and the other person that motivated me was uh, Janet Ivanovich, if you've read any of hers, the, uh, the Stephanie Plum series. So I'm getting old, I can't remember the names, but yes. And um, that again was another series that just absolutely motivated me. And that's why I thought, well, you know, I'll have a go. And I just thought I was gonna write one book. And that was that. <laughs> <laughs> so I kept going again, haven't I? <laughs> yeah, no, that's fine, you carry on. Um, so what made you decide to take <laughs> you off? <laughs> Hanging on in here. <laughs> Actually, if I do fall, it will be very, very hilarious because the top of this desk isn't fixed. So that will also go. <laughs> <laughs> so the screen and everything will just go crazy. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Not that I want it to happen, obviously. But... You do. You do. <laughs> I, bet, I bet anybody watching is waiting for this to happen. It's going to be the highlight <laughs> of the interview. <laughs> They should just be grateful I'm not on my balance ball because I would have gone by now, as I said to you earlier, accompanied by a very loud noise. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> um, so what made you take the plunge into writing crime? Uh, well, largely because I needed to, I'd, I'd got, I felt I'd sort of learned my craft, if you know what I mean. I was a much better writer by the time I got to book seven with my comedies. I was a much better writer. I was pleased with what I was writing because it evolves all the time. I mean, I'm not saying I'm there yet because I don't think you ever are. I think you constantly evolve. And the problem with the comedies was I couldn't get any twists in and I couldn't, I like to sort of bamboozle people. I was gonna say my favorite word, which I think turns up in every single one of my books, which is discombobulate. <laughs> I have to stop using it now because there's, there's somebody on Twitter sussed me that it's in every single one of my books. <laughs> but I do like to discombobulate to my readers. So I like to lead them, you know, make it think it's going one direction and boom, it'll go in the other. And if you've read some of my books, you know, sometimes I'll take you to a place that you never thought you'd go to. And, and comedy wasn't doing that for me. And I'd always, I'd had an idea for about a year of this psychological thriller and I, I knew how I wanted to write it. Um, and this is Little Girl Lost, which was my first book, which did extraordinarily well. It's, it's very dark. The beginning is, is horrible. <laughs> I hated writing that prologue, but it's necessary for the book. And I liked it because it is like a big puzzle. And that's the same with all the crime novels for me, is that they're like puzzles and you have to put every bit together. And sometimes you think you've got the right piece. And you haven't because I've actually got the right piece. You've got a bit that looks like the right piece. So I really enjoy doing the crime. And of course, that's why I needed to have a, a better outlet, if you like, than just comedy. I didn't stop writing comedies. I kept writing. I had um, another, I had Take a Chance on Me came out. And then I had What Happens in France, which has got a, a bit of a twist. In it. It's got a bit of dark in it. And um, Suddenly Single. That was another one. But my editor at Bookature, she said uh, that on one of those, she said, well, you should, it's, it's too dark. We have to take that out. We can't have that in there. It's not comedy. <laughs> so I had to I had to find another outlet for the dark side in me. So I've got this ha 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 side and this e side. <laughs> <laughs> worrying, isn't it? No wonder Mr. Grumpy stays out my way. <laughs> Does he sleep with one eye open is the question. <laughs> I don't know. I don't often sleep. I don't, I don't, I don't often go and see <laughs> Does he see like, no, no, he doesn't. Judging by the noise, no. <laughs> <laughs> Bless him. 
<laughs> he's happy in his little world. <laughs> um, if you were to be transported as a character into any of your books, either the comedies or the crime, what would you choose? Which book? <laughs> oh, I love this when you give me a curveball. I have to go, hmm. Well, out of them all, the character that I, I suppose I related to the most is Mercedes in Take a Chance on Me because she is, um, she's got a great sense of humour and is very positive. She's had an accident and she's ended up in a wheelchair. And, uh, but, but she actually is fine about it because she, she knows her limitations and it hasn't stopped her zest for life. So I think the answer to the question is, there is actually a bit of me in all of those characters. So it's not really a question of who would I be, is I actually am in a lot of those main characters, which is very worrying. <laughs> but I actually put quite a bit of myself into that character, Mercedes, especially with her sort of uh, jokey attitude towards things. Because after I had my second operation, I was paralysed and Mercedes is. And I was, I was really temporarily paralysed. At the time, I didn't know how long that was going to last. Uh, and I thought that was the end. And if it hadn't been for humour and, and sort of laughing about things, I really don't know where I would have gone in my head. I think I would have been in a very, very, very dark place myself. So um, I, I associate with her. Characters I would like to be, well, I'd actually like to be, oh, some of them are really, I don't know, the backstories are horrible, aren't they? <laughs> I'm not sure I want to be some of them. <laughs> I was going to say Robin, and I thought, oh no, I don't want to be Robin. Oh, I'll be Natalie. Oh no, look what happens to Natalie. Oh no. We <laughs> don't want to be, oh, I could be one of the psychotic killers. Oh no. <laughs> so, um, hmm. well, the, well, the character I really was, I suppose, was Amanda Wilson in my very first book, which was Mini Skirts and Laughter Lines, the, the blogging, facing 50 year old woman with the uh, the grumpy old husband and the um, the mother who lived in Cyprus and partied all night I actually was that character <laughs> alas my mother is no longer with us but by gum she did have some fun in Cyprus at 82 year old 82 year old parties which was playing <laughs> twister and goodness knows what else <laughs> so uh, I haven't really answered that properly have I yeah it doesn't matter it's fine yeah I'll take it it's fine isn't it I'm in there anyway. <laughs> Just watch out. Don't ever come and meet me in real life. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I'll ask you um, a funny question that I usually ask the guys. But if you were to have um, stalkers, what would be your limit on uh, how far they could go? <laughs> I actually have had stalkers. <laughs> so, mm. I was I was okay until they until one of them actually uh, suggested meeting me um, at a place that wasn't very far from where I lived, and I thought, oh crikey, they live they, they know where I live. As it happened, it was just a guess, I think, on their part. But how far would I go? Nah, I, I wouldn't go very far at all. <laughs> I, it depends if they want to buy all my books, and you know, I'll, I'll give you. Yeah, that's fine. We'll, we'll go a certain <laughs> we'll go a certain way. <laughs> no meetings <laughs> not unless I'm Mr Grumpy because that was a good deterrent yeah very true because <laughs> um, it's quite funny for the guys I speak to there's one that gets freaked out if I say that I'm going to go on a road trip and then there's one that said he's fine as long as I don't stand over his bed while he sleeps so <laughs> you know it, it's interesting the different levels I find <laughs> oh well I don't think I even no 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 <laughs> So you're way below even I, I am hiding behind the sofa once they mention the name of the road I live on. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, unless I've got, you know, a dagger or something at hand, you know, no, no. <laughs> but I'm not actually, I'm not, no, no. <laughs> I mean, you know, to be fair, that's the right answer. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm very sensible. <laughs> <laughs> There's loads of weirdos and nutters out there. The fact that we're both one of them is beside the point. <laughs> neither here nor there well, as, you, as you know I've written about stalkers in my books in some of my books I've actually put them in there and partly because I've known what it's like to have one and it's, it's quite actually it's quite unnerving <laughs> so, it starts off okay you don't realize you think oh it's okay they're just being friendly and then there's something followed by something else you think hang on what's this no. mm. <laughs> <Nah>. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's the most interesting thing you found doing research for your books? Oh, I've done so many things. Okay, I have. 
especially with the comedies, because I always believe in doing what you write about or, or certainly researching a lot. Now, obviously, with my crimes, I'm not going to go out and find out how to murder people. <laughs> obviously, honestly. Absolutely, but comedy... I totally believe you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I just want that out there so all of you know I have said that. <laughs> but with my comedies, I did a lot of research. I've, uh, I've dived with sharks. I've done zip wires. I've eaten bush tucker trials. I've uh, done sumo wrestling in a big plastic suit. I've, um, what else have I done? I can't think of all the things I've done. Uh, oh, zorbing. Mind you, I did that after I'd eaten those insects. So that wasn't very good. I didn't feel too good at that point. Belly dancing. But the one thing I did that really, really ended up being interesting was when I wrote Grumpy Old Menopause, I, it's, it's lighthearted, but factual. So whilst there are, there's you know, advice you know, sensible advice for women who are facing the menopause. There's also some light-hearted things, but some of those light-hearted things genuinely work. And for me, knowing what was going on helped me enormously. But one of the things um, I found out for myself and for others was that um, you, lose, you lose your confidence. You have a loss of confidence. And there are certain things you could do to build that confidence back up again. And one of those was belly dancing, which actually is, is fantastic. Can't recommend it enough. Another was um, pole dancing. <laughs> and the last thing was stand-up comedy. Now, I had to try. I thought I have to try one of those. Well, I tried belly dancing. I couldn't do pole dancing because I had frozen shoulder at the time. So what I'd have ended up with would have been big flat nose trying to go upside down. <laughs> so I had to go. So I had a go at stand-up comedy, and I got in contact with a, a guy who was a comedian who coached me. I wrote an entire. Oh, it was so difficult, but very interesting. I, I wrote more than I'd write for an actual novel, but you have to whittle it down until you've got um, an actual script of various, each each joke isn't just a quick joke, it has to have a, a punchline that might go in one direction or another, a bit like a twist in a book. And I wrote out an entire um, routine and I was invited to do it at Litchfield Library. So I did, it was called my smile while you still have teeth routine. I wasn't brilliant the first time, but I worked on it and worked on it and worked on it. And in the end, I did uh, quite a lot of tour of the black country. And the libraries had me there. And I ended up a couple of years ago, three years ago, opening the Tamworth um, Literary Festival with the routine. And, and so that was a real buzz. That was the most interesting thing I did. I learned a lot about comedy. And also, I think I made quite a lot of people laugh, but because I'm half blind, I couldn't see. So it didn't really matter. <laughs> I slid again. I'm up again. Mm. <laughs> oh dear. Let's try again. <laughs> it's no fun if you keep adjusting. <laughs> I know, but you know, you're just going to see the top of my head at one point. <laughs> um, do you have lots of author friends? I don't have any friends because I'm a little hermit. <laughs> No, I, that's not true. I did actually, that is true. When I first started, I knew nobody. That was the one thing writing brought to me. Uh, I was actually, uh, I suppose you'd say a, a lonely middle-aged woman. I, I knew very few people. My um, work career where I would have met people had come to an end because I was, I was in the house all the time. Um, so I didn't know anybody. I didn't know anybody that lived in my village. I didn't know anyone. I don't have any relatives or, and I've never really had close friends because I've moved around a lot. So um, it was only after I, well, actually the very first person who became my friend was Kim Nash, who does the PR bookature. She, uh, her sister pointed out, I was in the local paper that her sister pointed out my book, Mini Skirts, to her. And she asked if she could have a copy and she reviewed it. And then she came to one of my gigs, at, well, one of my presentations at the Samuel Johnson Book Museum. And, and then she became a friend and, and it's, you know, she's been there all the time for me. She's fantastic. So Kim, if you ever do get to watch this, thank you. Um, <laughs> but she became a real friend and she was kind of my first real friend. And then um, when I got taken on by Bookature, we were invited to an author party and 
I was so starstruck. There was there was Angie Marsons and Kim Slater and Sue Watson and Caroline Mitchell and oh, all these names I knew from being in the little Facebook group, but never had met. And I felt such a I don't know. I felt like I shouldn't be there at that point because I'd, I'd only written this one little book, and it was like hello. So, but they have over the years, and thanks to Bookature, there's um, a Facebook group for those authors when we interact. So, thanks to that, and going to the uh, the various author events, and then also getting out there. I'm not. I'm not terribly good at getting out there. I'm still. I know I come across as quite confident, but I'm a little bit shy, and I, I tend to overcompensate by talking too much, just in case you hadn't noticed. <laughs> but, but at events, like I'm, I'm terrible. I just go and go hide. <laughs> so uh, yeah, that. So yes, I do have author friends now. I'm, I'm pleased to say, and some fantastic people. I mean, people like Angie Marsons are just they're the best. They really are. And do you get a lot of feedback from your readers? Huge amount. You guys keep me going. <laughs> it started in the beginning. I used to get emails from people before we, I really got into the social media. Um, and, and after the first book, which guys, you guys and girls, you can't, well, I'm not have to say guys and girls anymore. My now it's not right, is it? People out there, readers, you can't um, buy the earlier books anymore because I've taken them out of print because I'm going to fiddle with them and make them better because uh, I want them to be up to standard or up to my current standard. So they will come back, but just not yet. Um, my first book, Mini Skirts and Laughter Lines, there, there was quite a lot of poignancy in it, and but, but lots of laughter. And I just got so many emails from people thanking me for making them laugh. And there was one lady who wrote to say um, her friend had, been, had died of cancer and um, she said that the book just helped her and she, you know, it's things like that, it's moments like that, people write to you or you, they'll write a review and, and they just say one or they'll just message you. Honestly, it can lift your spirits like you wouldn't believe. Conversely, <laughs> if it doesn't go to plan, you probably find me hiding underneath the settee, you know, sobbing. <laughs> But no, my, my readers, honestly, I write every time when I write an acknowledgement, I thank them because you know, they are my motivation. When, I, when I'm stuck on a passage or I'm up all night because I rarely sleep and I'm stuck, it's, it's kind words or encouragement that just, it just, re it sets me off again. So I really, really love them. Big time. All of you. <laughs> Yeah, it's a lovely community, um, one that I don't feel like I've been in for that long, but yet yeah, still feel part of as well. So, yeah, it's amazing. Oh, it's, it's a real, isn't it? <laughs> it's lovely. Yeah, I it is. That, I found out when I wrote that first book to, to write it I, it, I wanted originally to write a diary, but that was an old, you know, had been done too many times format. So I thought maybe somebody of my age would want to blog. And I didn't know what a blog was. I really didn't even know what that was. So I had to learn to, to be a blogger before I could really write the book. And in blogging, it was a it was an art imitates life or life imitates art. I can't remember which way around it goes. Uh, the, the character Amanda Wilson ends up with, with thousands of followers. And, and I did. My blog actually attracted so many followers that when we launched Mini Skirts and Laughter Lines, I held a virtual party on the blog and it crashed because there was that many people there. But that blogging community, there are people there today, and I can name two, there's, there's Barbara Brannan White and there's Diane Crode. One lady lives in the US and the other one lives in Devon, and they have been with me right from the beginning, and they, they've supported me right the way through 25 books, because my 25th came out today, and they're there today congratulating me. And you know, that, that's like proper friendship to me. I've known these, these ladies for so long now, and I've known them for 10 years, just thanks to them being bloggers. And it's the same with um, you know the, the book bloggers and and just bloggers in general. I and mean, it's it's tremendous. The community is fabulous. I always thought it was like going to a party when you went to someone's blog. Or, you, know, you go or blogging blogging is you know you you go to someone's blog. It's like meeting them at a party and so you have a few words with them and and you say oh I enjoyed that post and they say oh good I enjoyed yours as well and then they come back to yours. You know, it's a bit like that, isn't it? And you just just it grows. And then if you're really lucky, you get to actually meet. Yeah, um, like I know we both know Zoe and this time last year I didn't know what blog tools were or blogs <laughs> particularly and now I, I call her crazy blog lady because she's a crazy blog lady. 
but she's absolutely awesome so um, yeah the time and effort that it takes to um to go to do blog tours and things is insane I had no idea it is absolutely insane I mean having blogged I think that's a good uh, having been a blogger I know how long it takes to think of a post prepare it set it up to be a book blogger takes twice as long or even longer because you've got to read the book then you've got to sort out your review then you've got to put it out and then you've got to promote it and that takes ages as well. I mean, I only had to stick my my posts up on Facebook or something, but you've got to put it in all the groups. You've got to put it here. I mean, it's, it's actually full time. And, and book bloggers are so generous with their time, but for no reward, it seems to me, other than to, to enjoy the book. And I just think that's incredible. I just hats off to you all. And, and when I'm asked to write a review or blurb for new authors, which I often am, I, I can't write it. <laughs> it's not that I don't enjoy the book. I just end up being so boring with it. Oh, this was really good. I really <laughs> enjoyed it. It was amazing. <laughs> so I've got no adjectives left. I am five years old. I enjoy it. terrible. <laughs> so I don't know how they managed to, to summarise. I can't even summarise my own book, let alone somebody else's. <laughs> and blog tours. People that run the blog tours, well, you know, just times of work by another. I don't know how many percent. And I, I know Zoe's, Zoe's been running my Instagram tour for me. And Emma from Damp Pebbles Tours running my 10-day my tour. I've never had such a big tour and the number of bloggers on both, it's just, it's phenomenal. Mm. But the amount of work behind the scenes to just produce those days and then on the days be there all the time. And I've just been, I've been up since midnight and I've been you know, online the whole time. I forgot to eat lunch. I, I, I forgot to get dressed as you know. It's like, oh, <laughs> I can only imagine what it's like for book tour hosts. I don't, and they have other jobs as well. <laughs> and I I've no idea how they do it no idea at all I just, it blows my mind <laughs> I'd, I'd rather write than be a blog tour host I thought just knew it <laughs> yeah sometimes I'm like I look at all the blog tours that Zoe signed me up for and I'm like oh my god and then I'm thinking well actually she's got to organize them all and do everything it's fine I can do a little post it's fine <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> Um, what's been your favourite moment so far? Is there one moment so far being an author that stands out above the rest? Well, there are lots of them. I guess my, well, can I have two? Because you know, one, right. <laughs> one of those was being invited onto BBC Breakfast Television to be interviewed about grumpy old menopause because they put me up in a hotel in Manchester the night before and I got pampered and it was all very nice. <laughs> so I enjoyed that. And the other one was winning the People's Book Prize Award because that took place mm -hmm. in Stationers Hall and was um, filmed. Um, it was, we were on Sky Television with that. And I, I got to stand up there. Stationers Hall is a fantastic old place in London, beautiful place. We had a, a, a proper sit-down dinner beforehand, uh, you know, the old black tie job. And then we all got called onto the stage. <laughs> and uh, we, I was awarded this beautiful crystal trophy, which I think I've shown off loads of times now, <laughs> which isn't in this room. <laughs> uh, and, and that was, uh, both of those were huge highlights. But... I think the best thing was was probably getting signed to Booker Shaw in as much as that made my career. That really was the thing that launched me. So it wasn't um, a sort of show-offy, look-at-me moment. It was a, a real gratitude moment, that one. I was so grateful for that. And what's your biggest dream? Is there anything left that you want to achieve as an author? You know, when I started out, I had a list of these, what I thought were ridiculous goals. And, my, and Mr. Grumpy, he laughed at them because there were things like, you know, be on television, be on a radio show. And I've been on, I can't remember how many radio shows now. Um, it was be in a magazine. I've been in, I've been in six magazines. Uh, it was to, um, uh, to be in the writing magazine, the writer, which was the magazine I used to read when I was learning to write and to be interviewed in that, and I was. Um, there was uh, to win an award that was on it, to get signed by a proper publisher, which I was. And then there's this ultimate, well, there are two ultimate goals. One is to sell a million books. Um, and that's been a goal of mine for a long time. And it wasn't 
because you're not going to earn a million pounds, guys, selling a million books, trust me. <laughs> but it's so that I know I'd reached a million people and, and I am within that. And I, I'm waiting in the next few days, it's days we're down to, I will, I will tick it over. And that's like, oh, I just keep selling. So please, everybody, go and buy a copy of all of my books now. <laughs> but my biggest dream, there's one, there's one dream left. And I wish I'd, I'd still got my pad. I have got it. It's in, it's in the other room of all these goals because I've crossed them off as they've happened. And one that's left is to have my one of my books serialised as a TV drama. And that would be, that would be it for me then. And I don't, I don't know what the chances of that are. Oh, one of the things was to have my books translated, and they have been been translated into to several languages. So all the goals, which I really, really believe weren't possible, but I was still going to, you know, hang out for them, have happened. And I would say to anybody that's just starting their writing career, believe in yourself. And the thing to do is to keep writing. Don't just rely on one book. Keep writing. Keep writing. Keep improving your craft. Keep changing you keep moving with it and and you will get there just you have to just keep working at it and and it becomes a career it becomes a lifestyle you can't just dip in and dip out uh, do you have any fears or phobias and would you write about them or have you written about them i've got a terrible terrible phobia about eyes <laughs> I, I honestly, I, I don't normally tell people because the last time I told somebody, they turned up with a cow's eye in a jar. <laughs> which, woo! <laughs> so, um, yeah, I have. And yes, I have written about it. And if you've read An Eye for an Eye, you know what I've done in it. <laughs> and, and every time I wrote it, I wrote it like this. <laughs> I absolutely. I think so. And even now I've written it, I still can't think about it so yeah I have real that is the one thing I can't bear so I, I won't let an optician near me I mean I've, I've got my glasses but if there's anything wrong with my eyes I go completely panicky and if ever I had something like cataracts I think I'd have to go blind because there's no way anyone's going to get near me with a laser they are not <laughs> it's not happening so yeah don't like them <laughs> I like I like pretty colors but I don't like eyes <laughs> Oh, yeah, no, I'm kind of with you on that, I think. <laughs> um, if you're able to spend a day with any author, dead or alive, who would you spend the day with? Uh, I was going to say something really boring like Agatha Christie because I was, I was brought up on Agatha Christie's novels, crime novels, and I think, you know, for me, they're still you know, the, the proper crime novels. <laughs> I think it's going to be pretty boring and something like that. Although I do like Ben Elton's comedies and I think it'd be quite amusing to, to sit down and chat to. So either or, one dead and one alive. <laughs> nice. Yeah, um, Agatha Christie would be very busy if she was still around. She's a very popular choice. <laughs> I thought so. I haven't got the imagination to think of somebody else. <laughs> No, that's fine. <laughs> I was going to come up with, I don't know, Marcel Proust. That would be interesting. <laughs> Actually, I wouldn't mind. No, I wouldn't. I, wouldn't. I was going to say Voltaire then. That would have really been awful. But he wrote, he wrote this great book called Candide, which was, uh, it was just so funny. I had to study French. I didn't have to. I studied French and English at university. And one of the texts was, was Candide, which uh, it, it's so clever and so funny. I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind finding out more about him, but I did I don't know, I'd have taught French all the time, wouldn't I? <laughs> Which you could, to be fair, so... I mm, yeah, I could probably get away with it. Ah oui, bah bah, mon beau-père, c'est quoi que vous avez fait là dans le texte, hein? <laughs> you know. Absolutely. <laughs> Whatever you said, that's fine. <laughs> so what do you like to do when you're not writing? I used to do lots of things. I don't do anything but write. <laughs> That is honestly true. I have given up everything in the last two years. No, no, um, the last two years, three years have, have been hectic, manic. Um, I think in 2017, I wrote seven, seven books that year and that I just didn't even breathe, I don't think. Um, 
2018. Anyway, Mr. Grumpy has now got me on a slowdown because he says I'm overworking and we are going to um, have a few more day trips out and go to some more places. And recently I've been going to Lancashire and going to the coast and doing research for a new psychological thriller that I am currently writing, which I should be doing today. But of course, I've been promoting the new book and not done any writing. So guess what <laughs> I'll be doing tonight? <laughs> You're allowed one day off to, you know, if it's a book launch and everything, all rules go out, it's fine. I'll, I'll tell that to my publisher. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Um, if you're able to go to any time, either forward or backwards, what time would you like to go to? I would like to go to the French Revolution. <laughs> I've, I've always, always been fascinated by um, France. I've spent a lot of time in France. I lived in Paris and worked in Paris for a while. Um, I'm not really into history, but because I didn't do a lot of history at school. I was um, an army child, so I got moved from school to school quite a lot. Um, so I didn't really you know, have the same sort of programme as everybody else. And anyway, I ended up going to a comprehensive where they didn't teach history. And then I went to a grammar school where they did. So I only had, I, I, when you were allowed to drop a subject, history was one of those I dropped. But the, the one thing I do remember was studying the French Revolution. And I read um, Alexander Dumas and I read quite a lot of, of French texts related to that time. So I'd like to go back to that period and be there but I, I don't want to be, I don't want to be a toff because I don't want to have my head chopped off. <laughs> I don't want to be guillotined to death. And I don't want to sit in the front row watching it either. But I just like to be in that era of, I don't know, the grandeur of it. Or I just like to know what it was really, really like. Because I don't really know. I just like to know. Fair enough. <laughs> um, what's the most embarrassing thing that's ever happened to you? Okay, this one's a tough one. When I was... Um, uh, I don't know, nine or something, I had an accident with a one-armed bandit, which is a fruit machine. Uh, nowadays, you just press these little buttons and three cherries comes up and whatever. But, but back in the day, they had this massive handle, had a big knob on it, and it would come down to there uh, and, and down. But it, if it get to hit, before it got to here, it was quite slow, and then it'd go really quickly. Anyway, my, I was in um, my father's mess, the, the place where all the soldiers were and they said go and play on the machine with you know, some some chap that they knew and he said have a go so I did and I pulled the handle down and I smashed my two front teeth out now I, they were never replaced I ended up with false teeth which honestly when you are a kid and having two front false teeth it's it's not the best so the only way to survive that is to laugh when things go wrong uh, and one the, well there were two very embarrassing situations regarding those teeth one was when I was in a German lesson with my German teacher who was called haircuts true <laughs> and I sneezed and my teeth went across the front and landed in front of haircuts feet now haircuts wouldn't let us speak English in his lesson. We had to speak the language, so I had to put up my hand and say, "And you're going to see her hands, having and get my teeth, put them back in, and go and sit down again." <laughs> so I did that. And the other one that was even more embarrassing was um, approximately a couple of years later, I actually bagged myself a boyfriend because um, I hadn't had much luck up until then. And we were sitting in the um, in, in the canteen. And um, he's chatting away and I'd not been with him very long. And I looked up and he looked at me in horror and my teeth were stuck in the bread roll. <laughs> <laughs> he dumped me. <laughs> so I guess it doesn't get more embarrassing than that really, does it? <laughs> anyway, they're firmly bridged in now. So they won't fall out when I fall off the chair. <laughs> of course if it had happened in modern times they would have saved them and I wouldn't have had to have gone through all that trauma but you know this is back in the blooming iron ages when I was a child <laughs> um, you've experienced loads and traveled loads is there anything still on your bucket list that you'd like to do or any place you'd like to visit I tried to do all my bucket list when I was in my 40s because um, my spine is decaying. So I wasn't sure how long I had before I wouldn't be able to travel again. 
So I tried to get in as many countries as, as I could. And we tried to go to lots of destinations. Um, the one place I've never been to and I would like to have gone to is America. I've not been to any of America. I'd like to have visited that. And I'm, especially since my agents in New York, that would be kind of cool to have gone there. <laughs> but of course, you know, the pandemic's changed all that. And I'm not certain what with that and then the way things are going with me that maybe I'll make that now so yeah these <laughs> things happen anyway we've got Google what are we worried about <laughs> yeah Google Earth I suppose is pretty yeah. much the same isn't it <laughs> so just you know pretend you're there <laughs> uh, who was your first celebrity crush oh crikey uh Cliff Richard <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, it was Cliff Richard. That is desperate, isn't it? Shows how old I am, apart from anything else. <laughs> yeah, I rather like Cliff. Sorry. Well, he was very handsome back in the day, so there's oh, nothing yeah, wrong with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, he's not aged that badly, considering. He's aged better than I am. I'm quite, you know, I wouldn't mind. I'm going again here. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's talking about Cliff Richard. I'm getting all hot now. <laughs> nah. <laughs> all right. Well, I quite, sometimes I ask that question and the women especially just blush, which is great. I love it. Because <laughs> I'm evil. But it makes me laugh, so. I what can I say? That's good. I think, you know, evil's good. I'm, I'm up for evil. Evil laughs and evil things. <laughs> <laughs> If I was to ask Mr. Grumpy what your worst habit was, what would he say? Probably overworking. Um, mm, oh, I got, well, Mr. Grumpy probably wouldn't dare because I'd throttle him, but I once got told I was far too cheerful and it was really annoying. <laughs> As a co-worker, she said, always, what was it? Was, I, don't know, I forget the exact terminology, but it was, it was something about how I was always far too cheerful and she didn't like it, so anyway. <laughs> I do, I do tend to be rather Tigger-like in, in nature. <laughs> it can be a bit irritating. I think that probably annoys Mr. Grumpy, actually. Yeah, it probably does. <laughs> He's very Eeyore and I'm very Tigger, so yeah. <laughs> Miserable lot. Oh, he's a cute Eeyore, you know, give him a balloon. He's all right. <laughs> Well, you both stuck with each other now, so I'm sure you make it work. <laughs> well, we've managed for a few years. I think we can carry on for a bit longer. Mind <laughs> you, you wouldn't know if he was there or not, would you? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's secretly in the garden, isn't it? That's what it is under the... <laughs> you know those sunflowers that I said you grew? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, what you, do you really did do research. <laughs> Uh, yes, makes note to self not to piss off Carol. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, never give me any sunflower seeds. <laughs> no, also noted. That's fine. <laughs> so I suppose, as it is the launch day of your new book, you should tell us about it. <laughs> Listen, I am I am coordinated. I always coordinate my book. And my, I'm just checking I am coordinated. <laughs> I could have worn black, but you know, not a good look. Anyway. I think orange is better. Yeah, the new book, what's it about? Do you know, I've forgotten. I wrote it so long ago. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's very good. <laughs> no, it's a follow on from an eye to an, uh, an eye for an eye. I was going to say two and I. Yeah, an eye for an eye. There we are. Uh, the follow up to that, it, it deals essentially with uh, D.I. Kate Young, who um, I don't want to give any spoilers away, but let's just say she's unstable, shall we? We'll just settle for the fact that she's unstable. Her, her mind is jumbled and it's deliberately so. I mean, she, she's got this whole thing going on with her husband who is dead and she's seeking um, vengeance against her, her superior superintendent, John Dixon, who she believes is corrupt. And there's all that going on. But uh, in this book, she's dealing with a, a rapist and murderer who um, starts by killing women in a little village called Abbots Bromley, which happens to be down the road from where I live. Um, Honestly, nothing like this had happened in Abbots Bromley. It is a charming place. <laughs> um, she, the, the, the case rapidly becomes quite serious when it becomes obvious it's a serial killer. But she also has her sister Tilly, 
staying with her. Now, Tilly is her stepsister, not her real blood sister, who normally lives or has been living in Australia, and they have history. So it's a story about what's happened between them and Tilly's past that links to her current investigation. Now, it's seemingly obvious to the reader what's going on, but that isn't really what the story is about because this whole series is really about D.I. Kate Young and her team and what is going on with that whole corrupt um, corruption and the other things. Each book is building up to, to what else is gonna happen next. So it's kind of a, a mixture of those two things, but it is very twisty and it is very dark. And I'm not the best person to talk about my own books. So I just go, yeah, well, yeah, read the blurb. It's okay. <laughs> I'm very sorry. Would you like to read it? <laughs> I was like that. I've been to book festivals and people have looked at their books and, and I was like, would you like it free? <laughs> Don't pay for it. It's not good enough. <laughs> I'm absolutely terrible selling my own work. Really am. However, it has got an eye for an eye was the number one bestseller in January on Amazon. So it's got, I don't know, over six and a half thousand reviews. And, and this one's got some tremendous reviews. So all I can say is people seem to be enjoying it. Please look at the reviews. Don't listen to me. I don't know what I'm talking about. I do know that book three is really good. though. <laughs> Well, you may be relieved to know that I don't have any more questions for you unless you think oh. there's anything I haven't asked you about that you want to tell us. Uh, well, I think you probably, you know, milked all of the worst parts out of me. If anybody is uh, is watching this and hasn't dozed off by now, um, uh, there are a couple of book tours running whilst the book's being promoted. And if you follow the 10-day tour, there are reviews, but there are also a lot of giveaways. And I've got all sorts of little goodies, nice pen, and key rings and notebooks and audio books and all sorts of things going on so if you follow the tour uh, if you follow me on twitter it tells you where the tour is going and to follow the people on that um, you will be able to enter all the giveaways please do it'd be just lovely if you did and i've got an instagram running with zoe who we've talked about and that um, has, is a three-day tour but the bloggers there some of them have got little puzzle pieces and the puzzle pieces all link together to form a message about the third book. And so we're going to um, gradually put that all together for you so you can find out what's going on in book three. So follow both the tours and do have a look at the books. And if you have read all my crimes, but you've not tried my comedies, have a look. You might like them. You might not, but you might. <laughs> and just before we go, would you like to remind everyone where they can find you and where they can buy your books from. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm not really sure where am I? <laughs> well, not, not specifically, I suppose, especially with your slight fear of stalkers. <laughs> I'm actually in secret destination at the moment. I'm not at home. Uh -huh. I'm, I'm hidden away in a little retreat, so nobody knows where I am. Uh, you can find me, um, obviously, on my Amazon page um, on Amazon. You will find me at um, www.carolwire, spelled C-A-R-O-L-W-Y-E-R.co.uk, but also at the .com address, or just Google my name something crops up so you'll find me there <laughs> well that's brilliant thank you very much <laughs> thank you for having me I hope I haven't bored you all to sleep <laughs> my cheeks hurt from laughing so much so you're fine <laughs> mine hurt from staying on this chair 